I'm a really big believer in the value of a retreat, period. Now we have new members, and now we have to be more thoughtful about creating an opportunity for those individuals to, to learn about who we are and what's changing in our landscape. This is In the Know with ACCT, the voice of community college leaders. I'm Jacob Bray. On this episode of In the Know, David Connor, our communications director, and Colleen Allen, our director of retreat and evaluation services, interviewed Rosie O'Neill, an ACCT board member and trustee at Northern Virginia Community College, about board retreats. They all have extensive experience with retreats and have valuable perspective to offer. Well, thank you for having me again. I'm delighted to engage in these conversations. I'm a really big believer in the value of a retreat, period. Uh, whether it's a board or a functioning unit at an organization, in that it gives time for that cohort of individuals, that team, to be off the normal course of the day and to spend time with intention on a particular issue or topic. And the experiences that we've had typically circle around strategic planning, for example, or if there's a significant change in the region that is prompting reconsideration of your suite of offerings, for example. Our experience at the college is, quite frankly, mixed with regard to retreats. Because while retreats are really important, they're also one of those exercises that comes with mixed experiences from leadership. And in our world, our chair typically would be the individual that would host a retreat. And so since I've been on the NOVA board, we've had a few. We call them you know, either the chair retreat or some version of that language. Uh, in the system in Virginia, the chancellor holds a retreat every year, typically in October. Uh, it matches from my point of view, unfortunately, with the time when we do our annual Congress. And since I've been on the ACCT board, it's something that I have to always negotiate. And so we're just in the middle of this conversation right now with my board, who's going to go to the chancellor retreat and who's going to go to the ACCT Congress. But when those two opportunities don't line up on the same week, then we we try to go to that retreat. That's a different type of retreat. Um, That retreat, I would say, is more about gathering people from the system to learn a little bit about new trends, to have some general conversation, get some insights on some new programs that are happening around the region. The chancellor has a time to meet with everybody and to talk about the mission and the vision. But at the school level, our retreats have been a little bit more targeted to thinking about what's happening at the college level. Uh, The first retreat I participated in with my first board chair was hosted by one of our uh, longtime and outstanding four-year partners, George Mason University. We held the retreat there. Um, It was a time when the president of George Mason was relatively new in his position, and so it was a really good opportunity for those of us that were new on the board to meet with somebody who was a really important partner for us. And at that retreat, one of the things that I really came away with was just getting to know people outside of what I would call a transaction environment on the board. And even though at our board meetings we have robust conversation, 
we evaluate what the committee work has been done. At the end of the day, it's, it has an agenda. It has a very specific structure and order, and you just kind of flow through the items. That's very distinctive than being in a place where you have time to have a meal with somebody, share in a conversation, just really get to know somebody from a relationship point of view and building trust. So that was my first experience. Since then, we've had other types of retreats. Some of them are built around a particular topic. I think the last retreat we had was one uh, about maybe two or three chairs ago where we were talking about what the new strategic plan would look like. And that's kind of the last formal, I would say, retreat that we had. We did go into a strategic planning process in the f subsequent year after a new president came on board, but that was less of a retreat and more of a work formal working time to meet with the consultants that were going to help us through the process. So let me expand on this. Um, how often do you guys do that? I mean, is it a regular annual uh, on the board calendar that every June, the third Wednesday in June of every year, the board will have a retreat? No, it's not regular. And again, it's driven in large part by who the chair happens to be how that individual has experienced positive or negative experiences in prior retreats, and other important things that are on our agenda. So in our college, we went through a presidential search four years ago, and so much of our work was circling around that really critical effort. That occurred. That year, we didn't have a retreat. The following year, when the new president came on board, we moved into a strategic planning process, and so that could have been a retreat, but it wasn't a retreat. Our priority was on really producing a plan. Going forward, one of the things that I always like to recommend to the chair, I'm vice chair this year, is to say when and how will we build in the new retreat, especially as we have brought in new board members. That's really important. For a while, we had a board that had longer serving members and so the relationships were already there. And many of our board members would come to the ACCT events, and that's a time for trust and relationship building. So even though it wasn't a formal retreat, it was a way to come together. Uh, now we have new members, and now we have to be more thoughtful about creating an opportunity for those individuals to, to learn about who we are and what's changing in our landscape. So usually it seems to me that we generally get retreats that are either in response to something that's happened or the ones that are more already planned you know which the, the first one is is more the case than the the other um, we recommend as a best practice that boards do plan an annual retreat and just have it on the board calendar so everybody knows when it is um, I know there is resistance because, as you know, as a board member, I mean, you're not getting paid for this. Um, it's a lot of people have regular full-time jobs. Um, but your point about the value of, of taking the time, number one, getting to know your other board members, that allows you the space to do that. And that's feedback that we've got gotten, you know, on our evaluation forms that, you know, and many of our consultants will start off the retreat with, you know, pardon the jargon, but, you know, an icebreaker. Mm -hmm. Tell a story about yourself. And then people, it kind of helps to start break down some of the um, barriers. You know, because when you only meet once a month or whatever your board schedule is, um, come in, you know, do the business and get out. I mean, 
everybody's lives are so busy, the last thing they feel like doing is, you know, spending, and a lot of ours are on Saturdays or wherever, whenever we can get as many board members together at once. Um, but to me, it sounds like what, what you're honing in on is the value of getting to know your, your other board members in a different way and also kind of building on sort of an onboarding and orientation of, you know, bringing in the new members, making them feel valued and that their voice matters. Any thoughts on that as a, an sure. approach or a, uh, or part of the value added? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. No, uh, for definitely for our school, we have made vast improvements in our onboarding process because there is inconsistency of these other types of opportunities. And so one of the things that we do now in onboarding is invite certainly the chair, the vice chair, and whomever else has time to come for an onboarding conversation for new members to give them an opportunity to have a conversation and to get to know somebody before you walk in the very first day. My my personal onboarding was in conjunction with two other of my board mates that were starting exactly at the same time. And so it was a very you know, we were seated on one side of the table, and then there was just a parade of people led by the president on the other side of the table, and it was just kind of being in school. Ba-doom, ba-doom. You know, we're just getting stuff. But there wasn't really conversation among the three of us. So that first board meeting was like, okay, so I only know you because I sat next to you for a minute. But there was not too much time. It wasn't until later that fall that that the then chair had a chair's retreat, and we had a little bit more time to get to know each other. But I think it's an enormous value for either a simulation of an onboarding or an embellishment or a kind of go beyond the structure of the onboarding requirement, which is, you know, there's a basic transaction flow that has to happen that day uh, to something that's a little bit more organic. I would say that in sharp contrast, my experience on the ACCT board is completely different. So this is a board that does, in fact, have it on the calendar. We know exactly when it's going to be every year. We, we work toward that opportunity, and everybody looks forward to it. It's an extraordinarily productive time. Those of you that come that are members of the staff know that we are working all the time. And almost, I would say, one of the, I wouldn't say critique, but I think people feel as though they don't have enough downtime. It's almost a little bit opposite. But... The things that we do do outside of the working space is designed for ha- to have a collegial opportunity. Broadly speaking, I think the ideal situation is to have a regular annual retreat in the same way that we regularly have a presidential evaluation. We also just started doing board evaluations. That's another thing that's a value for the retreat. So we did a board evaluation this year. We have not yet come together to look at those results. This is, but we're in a presidential search. One of the things I'm gonna bring up to my chair in the next week or so when I see him is, could we put something on the books for maybe our September meeting when we are not yet, we're still in the search process to have a debrief. So what might that look like? And one of my consultants, I just wanna say real quickly though, that uh, he said the other day, he said, you can't do the presidential evaluation until the board knows that it's operating properly, until they do their own self-assessment. And, um, and I really thought about how important that is. You know, just you know, standard basic governance practices, understanding roles and responsibilities. And so um, 
and now, are, are you guys SACS accredited? We are, and of course, SACS just now, this past December, put that as a rule. We right. were we were working on our board evaluation before the SACS requirement, mm-hmm. which was beautiful because okay. pr- many months prior to that, we already had decided that we were going to do it, and then it was just a matter of like who was going to help us go through it. It needed to be a third yeah. party. Anyway, get all that alignment, but I agree. his point, it shouldn't just be shallow and checking off the box that we've done that, we've met the criteria, so, okay. I agree. And um, so that is a really important point I think you're making about um, getting, having the time for the board to get to know one another, the board to understand its own, you know, functionality and, and, you know, and honestly, you know, a lot, like I said, a lot of my board retreats are in response to bad behavior, unfortunately. Sure. Right. I think, you know, as a, I'm a coach myself, and so I do a lot of facilitation, but one of the things that comes out in retreats is you learn about people's work styles and preferences and personalities, and that has a lot to do with, so people under stress are going to behave in a very particular way, different than they would if they have an understanding of how each of them works, so that's another big benefit of the retreat. Uh, one of the things, observations I would make is having been on the ACCT board and learning how different our boards look, how different our appointment structures are, those particular um, elements matter also. So if I go, I'm a board, on our board, we all are termed. So we have four-year term, and we cannot do more than two consecutive terms. That's not a lot of time. We have, you're talking at least a one to two-year ramp up to learn what's going on at a minimum. You have a couple of productive years and then you're essentially winding down. It's different with a board that has longer appointments, even a six-year term. And if you have a 12-year total, then you could really build in some normalcy to the calendar and an understanding. But regardless of whatever your structure is, it is still an imperative. I think it, it provides much more value and even though some people don't want to take the time, it's it's important to do it. And also under, agreeing on the rules and the protocols of the retreat. I mean, a retreat doesn't matter. You could be in the most beautiful place off-site, but if everybody's kind of connected to their cell phone, you might as well be back home, right? So agreeing on the protocols of a retreat, how are we going to work together, everybody coming to consensus, all of those things matter in the quality of the experience. And having goals. And, and having, of course, right. and then whatever the, the retreat topic might mm-hmm. be um, is important. I'm sorry, you were going to say something? Well, I, I just want to say as a quasi-disinterested third party here, since I don't work on ACCT's retreat services and I'm not on the board of a college or the board of ACCT, I attend the ACCT summer board retreat every year. And listening to this, I just I find it really interesting because um, as long as I've been here, which has now been 11 years, I've attended every single board retreat. The first one was vital to me as the communications person because it did greatly expedite my knowledge of what the association is overall, and I'm sure that that would be the same at any institution. And, you know, who the board members are and what the business of this organization is, meaning the longstanding business, and also what's what's being done to drive it forward. Um, And it's this is an annual um, event. It happens every single year, no matter what. And as you've been talking, I've been thinking about what if the board didn't do it? All they would do, all that you would do, Rosie, is 
meet together a couple times a year. Literally twice. And go <laughs> over some basic business. And the, the fact of the matter is we have a uh, creative, industrious staff, but the planning that our board of directors does every year, bringing together the ideas and looking really from a bird's eye view, has propelled us forward every single year that I've been here. If we didn't do that, then we wouldn't have that. And I think a lot of the new board members each cycle wouldn't really know much about what was going on, no fault of their own. So I'm, I'm wondering how and by the way, this board has never had to have an interventional retreat right. in any way. And I think it's probably because this relationship building is part of the process. New people become acculturated as they come in, as well as learning information. They get to know people, the culture. And in my experience, board members are always very grateful at the end, especially new ones. Wow, I learned so much. I get it. I feel like I get it, and I was included. So um, I guess... The question that I have is, um, and I mean, this is naive sounding, but how could a body like this not do something like this, at least semi-regularly, and check in with themselves and the business that they're doing and the vision setting? Mm -hmm. why, why doesn't this occur as a matter of course for everyone? I mean, I think it, occur, it, I think it doesn't occur for a variety of reasons. One is that it could be an extra cost period. Mm -hmm. I mean, we gave up, for example, doing what had been a tradition at the college for many years, doing these uh, board dinners at the end of, usually around the holidays, just to say thank you. It was a super nice, sweet event. But, you know, if we're making choices on money and we're getting less funding from the state, we have to make some choices. And sometimes the choice is to do the, you know, the nice thing, which would have been, it's another relationship building opportunity and, and switch it for something else. So I think there's that. There's also the reason behind people, the constitution of boards are changing and you have in the, in the nonprofit and in the corporate world, you may have more of a experience with retreats Retreats aren't always well-managed, so let's start with that. If you don't really have a professional facilitator helping the board, designing for the goals at hand, you end up having a, a situation that people feel like it wasn't a very productive time. And so it's really important to understand that carving out time and getting a professional facilitator and being clear in the pre-design work in order for the, for the retreat to work is very important. For As we want more younger people and people with a different set of experiences to come in, I think that community, I work with students every day, and I know that when I put together experiences around groups, that there's a lot more energy and a lot more engagement and people feel very connected to the purpose. And so I think that as we're seeing a younger generation come into our boards, we have to acknowledge that that's a new style and that some of our older generation board members may feel, you know, they don't want to hang out with a bunch of young kids, but that's not, that's not why they're sitting on the board. And if that's why they're sitting on the board, then maybe they need to reconsider why am I sitting on the board? I mean, this is about alignment. Um, then there's the presidents. Some presidents are going to be very much for retreats and board engagement, and I'm sure there's going to be presidents that are going to feel that, thank you very much, like hanging out with you guys once a month, but I'm not really 
this is not this is something that's my job I want to do it so anything that we do in best practice has to have alignment partnership alignment agreement and creating modalities where people come together with specific goals with professionals that can help you and in, in, in that process to get the most out of it and if you have had a bad experience with any of those dimensions a bad facilitator a bad location you know maybe a you know an individual that isn't really committed to the cause or to the to the experience then that's going to inform future generations of boards and if that it, person that had the bad experience rises to the leadership role then forget about it right it's just not going to be something they're going to be willing to do despite requests from the rest of the board so it's always about conversation and about coming to agreement and one of the things I share with new board members is speak up if you think this is valuable then bring it up on you know on the agenda and if others believe that it's valuable then you get some momentum going but as a practice no question that this is very unique opportunity to come together everybody should be doing it at least once a year you know with real intentionality and with real purpose so it's not just about getting together it's it's getting together with purpose and with a deliverable in mind and hopefully you if you are doing it on an annual basis the board hasn't devolved into you know uh, uh, dysfunction right I, I mean that's how we want to approach the idea of board development board retreats mm -hmm. so that you're not at that point where you know I, I've witnessed many unfortunately that are you know board members are unable to speak to one another and then it hurts the president as well because without support of the board you know and I'm sure you've heard you know our, our folks talk about you know the recruitment pool and we have a college that will remain nameless that's about to go into a search that's going to have a very difficult time because the board has a very bad reputation um, so it's um, it's you know I, I speak with bias that I do see the value of it and the importance of it you know from the point of view of understanding your roles and responsibilities setting goals like you said and getting to know one another and I really do think to some extent the personal relationships among the board members might be almost the most important part of that I agree 100% <laughs> I mean your work is every day all day you don't think about it that way because you're involved in the other parts of your life. But the reality is, as was presented at the Governance Leadership Institute, somebody was talking about, they, there was a president and a immediate past chair that were doing a presentation about the partnership between the board and the CEO. And one of the things that they presented was the fact that they go out into their community and they're seen by their community all the time, every day, at the grocery store, at yep. the flower shop, at the whatever. And so while we don't want to believe that we're together all the time, we're in the community all the time and people know us and if they know that this is the work that we're doing. So again, the retreat is a place to kind of regroup and come back to what is the collective message? How do we, what are the agreements? How do we, do we remember about you know, our fiduciary responsibilities, which is more than just the finance, right? Other things. Do we do we understand that if something happens that we're gonna refer things to the chair? Do we understand? So just even refreshing yeah, what so the, the obligations are, right? Stuff, the protocols, right? which, you know, can be forgotten in the day-to-day -day oh, hectic. Yeah. Uh, it's nothing is scarier than having a situation and then having somebody shove a microphone and 
I mean, I'm in Washington, D.C. These things happen all the time. I was at a drugstore once when the avian flu was going on, and <laughs> somebody just kind of shoved a microphone in my face and said, what did you think about that? So that could happen in a college event, yeah. and I'd be completely out of context and caught off guard. So opportunities being where we prepared. remind ourselves and being prepared right. mm -hmm. is important. So that's another reason why yeah. I think a retreat is good. It's different than the work of the everyday board. So especially since, as you mentioned, we're at the uh, Governance Leadership Institute for new trustees, and especially for new trustees who may be listening, who may not have served on a board like this before, and may be most familiar with staff retreats, um, could you, if you feel like it's appropriate, could you clarify what exactly you're talking about design-wise, that this isn't, this doesn't involve obstacle courses and um, <laughs> things like that sort, not necessarily. Depends on who your facilitator is. Not trust. necessarily, <laughs> but it's, um, it's, it's a retreat in the sense of planning business and a variety of, of other, um, you know, it's, it's business in the sense of all relating back to the institution. Correct. Right. So I would say, and I'll, have Colleen give her perspective on it, but this is a coming together, even if it's just for four hours, if you don't have a whole day, but it's coming together to realign on the mission, on the vision, on the plan, on opportunity. Where So to ask questions we don't normally get to ask. What is happening out there that we're not responding to? Where is there an opportunity for innovation? How can we be more creative? What are ways that we can be more bold in what we do rather than passive? Um, it's, it's just a time for um, conversation and then sparking some excitement around what might be new and, and coming to agreement on how we're going to transition into this new because that often is the big trip up. I'm all in concept with you, but I'm not on the operation side because the operating, the execution of new is really, really hard. You have faculty that get upset if you remove programs. You have students that were hoping to do one thing, but now there's a different set of offerings. And so transition is hard in general, even just aligning around how we transition to whatever comes up that is new. It's a very different conversation than a staff retreat where you're really just trying to kind of get team spirit up and align on the, the tactics or what you're gonna do that, that particular year, how our role's gonna be different. Our roles are not gonna be different. We're always gonna be either elected or appointed board members where our number one priority is to be diligent in the work of the college and support the president. So I'm not gonna, that, that job isn't changing. And that is a distinction, I think, between a staff retreat and what we're doing in terms of more of a visioning, innovation. So the theme of the retreat will drive it, but it's an opportunity to do conversations around challenge and innovation that you otherwise don't get to do. And again, a, a governing board, um, looks at those things, the mission and the vision, sets the vision and revisits the vision occasionally. And that just isn't something that typically happens or at least happens in a um, in-depth, uh, sometimes meaningful way in a board meeting setting, right? Correct. That's all business. It's different. And the other thing I would say to add to that is that the other thing about a retreat that's very important is that you have to have members of staff available to clarify to correct, because sometimes the board thinks they know everything, but they don't. And so you need senior staff to come in and correct and clarify, but also somebody to take note of what is actually being decided so that the president 
has an opportunity to take all of that data and then organize it in a way that he can or she can report back to the board and say, okay, this is what I heard at the retreat. This is the way it lines up around our strategic plan. What do we want to keep doing? What do we want to do more of? What do we want to do less of? And then it offers an opportunity to kind of a whole series of conversations going forward. But there has to be not only the visioning mission work, but also the how we're going to do all these things. So it's, it's connecting concept with operating reality, understanding that that could be very challenging, especially if we're trying something super new. And, and just kind of from the more operational side of you know putting one of these together, um, our consultants, for the most part, will interview each of the board members and build the agenda. You know, they, they do phone calls. Sometimes they might send out a you know survey monkey, talk with the president, include the chair, and then they start to build the agenda for the um, retreat. Um, Almost always, and I, I do think it's a good idea, is they spend some time reviewing the roles and responsibilities. I mean, if it's a totally new board, you have to spend time on that. But even for new or, or well, experienced board members, if you're coming together once a year, it's always good to be reminded, you know, that's the president's job and this is your job and clarifying those roles. Um, also, even the role of the chair understanding the chair's, you know, sort of the liaison role they play between the administration, between the president and the board. And, um, you know, just some of the best practices of effective boards. But then, of course, people want a goal. They don't want to just come and spend a day, you know, without a goal in mind. So I think the interviews that our consultants do early on help to build the agenda and what they will hopefully get out of it. You know, we have a list of classic topics, but a lot of, you know, new trends are impacting boards. Demographic changes. We just did a podcast with the Pew Research Center about, you know, the, the changing nature of the, um, uh, of the compositions of the boards. You know, younger, more activist board members coming on, wanting a voice. But, you know, how you maintain, you know, respect for differing points of views also within the constructs of what the, the board protocols are and what their actual roles and responsibilities are. So, Yeah, no, I agree. It's um, change is the constant. Mm -hmm. So get prepared. Yeah, and, and our president likes to say, you know, the continuum, too, of, of what the board goals are, even if the leadership changes. Mm -hmm. So. All right. Well, um, thank you both. If you'd like to learn more about uh, retreats generally or retreats um, as offered by ACCT, definitely visit our website, acct.org. You can contact Colleen directly at callen, A-L-L-E-N, at acct.org. And um, do look into it if you don't do retreats. I mean, I think it, it seems like it's worth the investment based on everything that I've seen, everything I'm hearing. Uh, so uh, don't, don't be a stranger. Get in touch with us. And um, thanks for listening. As David just said, please feel free to reach out if you have any more questions. Later in the episode, Colleen mentioned a podcast we recorded with Pew. That episode featuring Mark Hugo Lopez, Pew's Director of Global Migration and Demography Research, will be released next week. Thanks for listening. We'll see you then. Mm -hmm.